there is another option. And you alluded to it earlier. The businessman says, how do I get everything? How do I make it better, quicker, and cheaper? Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back, my friends. This is indeed the Lions of Liberty podcast. You have found yourself listening to the 152nd installment of this show. You can find the show notes for today featuring everything I'll be discussing with my awesome guest over at lionsofliberty.com slash 152. And that guest is here with me today. He is the co-creator, co-founder of Atlas MD, a direct care model which is really doing amazing things for patients. He is also a family doctor himself, Dr. Josh Umber. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the interview. All right, well, well, let's get right into it then. I don't want to keep you waiting if you've been looking forward to this thing, Doc. But uh, no, we'll, I want to talk about your great service here, Atlas.md. It really is fascinating, the, the things you've done in just a few short years here. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to learn a little bit more about yourself. So why don't you just first start off by telling us how you first got inspired to enter the medical field? Sure. Uh, growing up in um, rural Kansas, uh, my dad was a trash man. He's a lawyer now, so I still tell people he's a trash man because it's less embarrassing. Uh, but we just learned how to work really hard and, and he would often, um, emphasize that on the back of the trash truck that you can learn to work with your back or, or work with your mind. So we were kind of motivated early on to, to look ahead and see what we wanted to do. And we were usually cutting ourselves or hurting ourselves, uh, on the trash truck and going to the doctor and, and that science part of it always interested me. So, uh, that ultimately led to going down that path towards medicine and, uh, also had a great experience with my neighbor, Trottle, who was a really neat, eccentric German uh, immigrant, wonderful lady, and uh, had the opportunity to be involved in some of her health care and just see it kind of from both sides. And knowing I wanted to be medical, I could see what they were trying to do, but knowing Trottle so well, I could see how it was affecting her as an individual. And, uh, and you can see it wasn't working really well for either party. So that was part of my motivation to uh, go for something better. Wow, so even early on, before you even really got immersed in, in studying medicine and that sort of thing, you already sort of got a sense that there were some problems within the industry itself. Absolutely. Uh, and at that undergrad level, I was shadowing doctors or eventually got so fortunate as to work with uh, a plastic surgeon in his office. He hired me to be his insurance biller and coder, knowing full well I had never done that before. But the assumption for him was that he'd just be able to figure it out. Unfortunately, he made a lot less money than he should have because the insurance game was so complicated. And I was just coming from you know, my dad's successful business of 20 years, uh, a very straightforward model. You're either a residential client or a commercial client. If you were residential, it was just price per house. And for anything that you could haul to the curb every week, there was no reason to make it more complex. And then you get into healthcare and realize it's this endless mess of billing and coding and modifiers and, and submit a claim. But if your combo was in the wrong spot, you'd have to resubmit a claim and sit on hold for an hour with insurance just to um, find out they weren't going to pay you. It, it was really quite a mess. And it was the emperor's new clothes. I, I could see that contrast that we went from a very successful, streamlined and simple business model to something that was everything but. 
so you actually got insight into this just by sort of looking at the books, I guess, which is really interesting because I imagine there's a lot of doctors, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, out there that they are into medicine and they're into, you know, learning how to help people and learning all these methods, but a lot of them probably aren't doing their own books and actually sitting down and looking at all uh, the, the differences in costs and, and all this money that's just being thrown away. So that's really interesting that you got that insight pretty early on. Oh, I think it was uh, essential to see just how it worked because everyone else, you're right, was I think focused on that the science of it and, and learning that and knowing how a hospital works and, and how do you get into medical school and what research do you do. But very few students actually had the time to be in a doctor's office, maybe doing something non-medical, which is still just as big a part of running the doctor's practice. And unfortunately, to his detriment, he had never learned those things. So he came out of his training, you know, seven years of advanced training on how to be a plastic surgeon, and knew almost nothing on how to run the actual business, how to get paid, how to submit claims, how to make sure insurance does what they were supposed to do. And this was 2000. And it's gotten exponentially worse since then. So I was able to see how broken the system was from that infancy stage in my career and was able to go out and find some examples of doctors on the West Coast doing insurance-free models. One was on the very high end, a 25000 per person per year concierge doctor, and one was on the other end of $50, $100, or $150 per visit, uh, Dr. Vern with Simple Care. And he just said, look, I'm losing money on five of six insurance plans I take. I'll just cut out all that middleman and charge a straightforward price to all his patients. And, and a lot of that had to do with the DNA of our business model going through the years. Uh, so it was a, a pivotal time for us. So you essentially saw a few other doctors that were basically just breaking off from this system, this course sort of third-party payer system mm-hmm. altogether, and, and combine that with all the things you were already thinking about, the, the ways that the industry were be, was becoming overburdensome on doctors and all the insight that you'd gleaned over these years here, that, that what really gave you the inspiration for Atlas.md and it helped you kind of form that in your mind, how that would work? Absolutely. It's that unreasonable man quote, you know, about all progress depends on unreasonable men. I loved and was passionate about the idea of family medicine for what it could do for everyone in the system. Uh, I loved my patients. I loved the experience of my patients, good and bad, but I hated the bureaucratic mess I had to go through to get that. And uh, actually for my residency interviews, you had to write personal statements. And I took it in a bit of a dark direction because at the time, actually probably my whole life, I've heard, oh, family medicine is on the way out. Uh, it's, it's a dying profession or the solo doc is a dying breed. And I just didn't believe that was true from all these other experiences I had or that we could at least reverse it. That's got to be awful. I'm sorry to interrupt. That, that's just, that's just got to be awful to be told every step of the way into this, this profession you've been dreaming yeah. of getting into that well, you're screwed. It's getting worse and worse and you know, your, the rest of your life's going to be terrible, basically. That's exactly what would happen. You'd go on these rotations in med school and they'd ask you. You're on the surgery rotation. They ask what you want to do. And you'd say family and say, why? Because <laughs> I like it. I, because I think it's important. Or, or the classic, you're too smart to go into family medicine. Is only, you know, that's, that's left for the scraps of the doctors who can't get into something better. And I can understand their point is they looked at that and saw this. It was a bureaucratic nightmare. You're seeing 40 people a day. You're, you're making a fraction of what you could make. So if you're going to work hard and be stressed, you might as well work hard, be stressed, and make good money. Um, in the 90s, the hospitals bought up practices and, and combined them to HMOs and then sold them off years later. 
But every so often, it was just, well, to be successful in the system, you're going to have to be part of a giant corporation, a major hospital chain, if you're going to be able to compete at all against insurance or government or something. So no one believed that the solo practice could work. But I did. I saw these insurance-free models. I saw how they were successful. I saw how they were more competitive and agile, nimble, and that there was a completely missed opportunity there by most doctors. So uh, I said I would continue to fight for that because I believed that the patient care would answer the rest of the equation. Boy, that was a big gamble, but it's turned out to be uh, 100% on target. So how does Atlas.md actually work? Say I'm just, uh, this This is, I guess, connected to your practice specifically, but this can happen, any doctor can, mm-hmm. can use utilize your model. We'll get into that more in a minute. But let's say I'm just, you know, a normal guy who's kind of fed up with, with health insurance. I, it's, it's, it's not worth it. And I know I need some kind of, you know, plan for my health care. And I heard the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thank God I was listening to the show. And I want to <laughs> find out and, and, and sign up for Atlas.md. So tell me exactly what Atlas.md is going to do for me. How's it going to make dealing with healthcare, my basic health needs easier? Uh, and more importantly, or maybe not more importantly, but as importantly, at least, is how is it going to make it more affordable for me? Absolutely. Uh, so Atlas MD is our clinic, our brand of the more national buzzword, direct primary care. Uh, as we see specialists get involved, though, uh, they're shortening it to direct care. But the again, the idea that you're just dealing with your doctor and not with an insurance company and not that insurance companies are bad directly. Sure, they've done some bad things over the years, but more importantly, it's a tool. And as a tool, we're using it incorrectly as a nation. Uh, there's a great business book, Predictably Irrational. And we make a lot of predictably irrational decisions as consumers, which don't benefit us. Uh, direct primary care being maybe the antidote to that. If I approached you and asked you to buy car insurance, like you're buying health care, it'd be car insurance that covers gasoline, oil changes, <laughs> tires, and it'd be well, you could only get two tanks of gas a month and only from our participating gas stations. But we really can't tell you what the price of the gasoline is or what your amount you'll owe or which gas stations you can go to. And of course, if you leave the city, you'll have to get pre-approved to buy gasoline out of town. Oh, it'd be a colossal nightmare. And no one would want that because the premiums would be so high, it wouldn't make any sense. No, I don't insure gasoline. I insure a catastrophic loss of my car, my home, my life. But that's exactly the irrational thing we're doing when we buy health care, and in large part because physicians haven't filled the void up until now. But we're buying health insurance for things that cost pennies or dollars, and they don't realize that. So direct primary care is typically a membership-based model, a flat rate per month per person based on age more than anything else for, in our scenario, $10 for kids, $50 for most adults, for unlimited home visits, work visits, office visits, technology visits like email, cell phone, texting, Twitter, Facebook, Skype, no co-pays for anything. Any procedure we can do in the office is free of charge. Stitches, biopsies, joint injections, ultrasounds, bone scans, lung scans, heart scans, strep testing, urine testing, uh, minor surgical procedures like skin tag removal or (laughs) fixing a toenail that's ingrown, all free. And then we add more value by going and supplying medications and labs wholesale, which is often 95% off. So there's a migraine medicine, Treximet, which is two old medications combined into one pill. An uninsured person would easily pay $700 a month for that. 
if you split into two pills, I can get it for you for less than ten dollars a month. That's 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 incredible, Josh. I, I I gotta stop you for one second, Josh, because yeah. you know my dad always told me growing up, if it if it seems too good to be true, <laughs> it is. And, it and is. I, you know, this yes. almost makes me if I didn't know you were so legit because I've done my research, uh, this would just sound like some crazy three a.m. infomercial. You know, nineteen ninety nine, you can get all of this. Right. But you're telling me you now if I if I go to the doctor, I I pay out of pocket right now. I do I do health sharing, so I, I see all the bills that I get. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly how much something costs but if i go to the doctor out of the blue it's gonna cost me and this might be a little more because i live in los angeles but at least 120 dollars minimum to just step into any doctor's office right. but you're telling me that for 50 dollars per month per month you're providing people with unlimited visits yeah. unlimited home visits and unlimited access to you as a physician and in addition to that you're able to get them all these discounts on medicines that kind of thing so how on earth is this possible <laughs> I think it's because we're finally embracing innovation. And you're absolutely right. We joke about it all the time. If you really get this, you should wave the the BS flag. It should sound too good to be true. And when something is, you should question that. We're so skeptical, except for, I'd say, the rest of, of our consuming lives. If um, there, We expect a better iPhone every year. In fact, we're upset if it's not twice as fast or longer, but if we're not always getting more value for our dollar. But in healthcare, we've quit innovating for so long that now we're catching up. Uh, Silicon Valley only invests in things if it's a 10x improvement. If you're only 10% better, that's not enough to get them excited. But if you're 10 times better, that's a value. That's a savings opportunity so huge, it has to be adopted. And what we've done is take actually options that have always been available to doctors, like with the labs and the medications. uh, But doctors have been so busy doing the wrong thing, which is filing insurance for all the common stuff. And that doesn't necessarily mean simple. I mean, in family medicine, we're taking care of skin cancers and uh, depression, anxiety, heartburn, complex lacerations, kidney stones, migraines, all sorts of things. But the way we can do it is so simple. Um, We know the pharmacies, everyone complains about pharmacies and, and how they jack up the price. Well, they get those from a wholesale supplier. 44 states allow physicians to dispense medications from their office. Because that's how we dispense flu shots and injectables for pain or procedures. They just never took it to the natural extension of, well, let me get your blood pressure medicine for you. So, so you are the pharmacy basically for your for your patients. We are, yeah. Um, and like a thousand Lasix, which is a very common blood pressure medicine. Walmart sells thirty pills for four dollars or ninety pills for ten dollars. I get a thousand pills for eight dollars and thirty three cents. Wow. In fact. Any physician could get just going direct to the wholesaler. Now that I've cut out the middleman, I don't have to make a profit off of those meds. I want to add value to our membership so that your $50 a month is now only feels like $45 or or less, depending on the medication. Or best case scenario, I'm essentially giving you money because you were buying a medicine that's two or $300 a month that I get for a fraction of that. Right before this phone call, I had a patient email me, long-standing patient, but she went to her OB for an issue, of course, uh, pregnancy in this case, and that obstetrician prescribed a medicine. So she didn't think to get it from me, but it cost her $150 at the pharmacy for 30 pills. I get the same medicines, same generic, same strength, same everything for $10. And that's the price she would have paid. And that's the price. We're very transparent. We have our price, wholesale cost, plus 10%. And that covers our credit card fees, the bottle, and the label. Just the idea of knowing a price of something as a patient is is unheard of right now. Yeah. 
Well, healthcare is not an efficient market. An efficient market means I can go on and in a couple of Google searches find out what Amazon, Target, Walmart are all charging me for a certain TV or shirt or product. I can find the best one with the shipping. I can go to kayak.com and shop 100 travel websites because that's what's necessary for competition in an efficient market. But all these big box retailers are, are benefiting from the fact that it's not transparent. That we're going to try to bill your insurance for this very expensive thing um, it, it, to get as much as we can. That wouldn't exist in any other market with open competition. CVS just bought Target's prescription side of the business for $1.9 billion in August. So now 65% of all retail uh, pharmaceutical sales are owned or controlled by four different companies. Now, I've been to Walmart and I've spoken to Walmart CEOs and executives about our model and we told them we out-Walmarted Walmart. And that's what I love about liberty and competition is it only takes one example. And so at the time, it was just myself and Dr. Doug, so two doctors who just by putting the patient first and looking for the best thing for them, are able to out-compete Walmart. Now, I don't get a price better than Walmart. I'm sure with their bulk volume, they pay a whole lot less per pill than I do. But my price per pill to the customer is a fraction of it. So putting the patient first, lab testing, same way. A blood test for diabetes. So it normally costs 80 to $90. A1C, I get for $2.22. Wow. That's with my 10% markup, but because I've negotiated the best cash rate for my patients. And cash is king and always will be. So we can take that further. MRIs are 80% off. Pathology is 90% off. Now I can take all this value because I'm looking out for my patient first in a true free market sense, and I can go back to an employer and I can decrease their insurance costs by 30 to 60% the first year. So we have this enormous benefit. You, you carve back your insurance because now you were covering things you shouldn't cover, the, the equivalent of gasoline, oils, tire changes. So now when an employer can say, we want the best thing for our employees, but it's breaking the bank. Blue Cross in, in Kansas said they uh, requested a 37% across-the-board increase. No other product. I haven't raised my price to the customers in five years, and they get to raise it 37% over last year? Oh, that's ridiculous. So we can say carve out the medication coverage, the lab coverage, the copays, the procedures, all these other pieces, and, and backfill that in for as little as $10 for kids, $50 for adults. So now they feel very comfortable having a high deductible plan, knowing they probably won't use it. Because the insurance stat is 87% of people with a $3,000 deductible won't reach that deductible in a given year. 95% of people with a $5,000 deductible won't reach that in a given year. So it's probably no wonder that the average exchange-based plan has a $6,000 deductible. 95 plus percent of people in the country are essentially uninsured if they're on an Affordable Care Act plan because it doesn't cover anything that's not considered preventative. That is a great way to put it, Josh. I had never really thought of phrasing it that way, but I mean, that's what I experienced with, with my insurance. I, I'm a freelancer, so I purchased my own insurance. I basically had a, a catastrophic plan before the ACA mm -hmm. went into effect. Uh, that law basically declared my insurance illegal, put in yep. all these other minimum requirements that I have to have. Next thing I know, I find myself where I've got triple the premium and the deductible was up to 
I think it was something like 7500 before I would see a dime. So, you know, when you think of it that way, when people are used to insurance for every little thing, suddenly you're not going to get a dime back until you spent 7500 plus your monthly premium of, of 250 right. 300 if you're lucky. I mean, it's it's like it is like you're not insured because the only way you're ever going to get a dime back is if you really get hurt or are really really sick, That's which actually, would be great if you paid if you didn't pay much for it, but you're when you're paying out the out the uh, you know what? It's not a great situation. Absolutely. And now we're still very pro insurance. We're just for pro affordable sensible insurance. My life insurance is very affordable. My car, I can choose do I want full coverage or not. So I can dial that in based on my risk tolerance. But people assume they need insurance because, great example, long story short, we had a patient whose labs accidentally got billed through at the insurance rate by a computer glitch. Call up the lab. They say, our bad. We'll fix that. Run back through. At the insurance price, these common labs were $1,024. Our wholesale discounted price, $39. Wow. A 97% difference. So someone who doesn't have a direct care doctor sees a price like that and says, geez, where would I be without insurance? But a patient with ours says, boy, I'm glad I don't have insurance coverage for that because all those dollars stay in your pocket, which means you can buy more health care, more services more often, and you're in control. So the first $5,000 you spend your way, not the way an insurance company would regulate it. So there is no death penalty. There is no uh, approval denial because you get to choose your dollars first. So I have another patient um, last week text me that his insurance will no longer cover his blood pressure medicine at the name brand. And it's a, a medicine called uh, Norvask for name brand and Lodipine for generic. So oh, that's no problem. 90-day supply. It's under two cents a pill. So it'll be about $1.80 for a 90-day supply. Says, ah, that's great. If it's only a couple bucks more, I'll just go ahead with name brand. Name brand is $466 wholesale to me for that 90-day supply. Wow. Well, I can promise you he didn't go for the, the, the name brand when it's his <laughs> dollars. Ah, well, is, is the difference worth it, Doc? No, it's not. And that's why I'm that's what I'm here for is to guide you towards the best healthcare decision. So that protects the employer's dollars, it protects the insurance company's dollars, it protects the patient who's still getting a great product at now a very transparent price. He could choose to do it if he wanted to, but most people make smart decisions when it's their dollars. So it's about getting back to a sensible system where the patient knows what things cost, can make those decisions, but now we can actually have affordable insurance for patients which means their employer benefits, which means more jobs. I mean, it really is grandiose if you want to take it the full level. That's more people back to work. That's fewer people on state rolls because healthcare is so expensive. That's more tax revenue for the state so that they're stronger economically. But because this is 20% of our GDP and no one's really innovating on how to make it as cheap as possible, well, then the doctors will step up and do that. It really is amazing when you think of how little innovation there is. You always hear that number you just tossed out, touted that uh, healthcare is so important. The reason we need to get the government involved is because it's 20% of the economy. It's too important, they say, and yet we see no innovation at all. And people don't realize because it's the most highly regulated industry in the United States. It's yep. almost impossible to regulate technologically in many ways, thanks to medical patents and, and things like that. Uh, but I mean, insurance has just made it so most doctors don't even try to innovate their own practices. And it's really amazing. They that you're able to do that on your own. The beautiful thing, if I may, about the Affordable Care Act is it was broken before that. It'll be broken after that, probably for some time. But it brought everything to a head in the sense that now patients, physicians, employers, and insurance companies are all saying, hey, this isn't working. 
you know, for the maybe early 2000s, insurance companies were still profitable, still working, but that burdensome regulation just continues to grow to the point where employers are saying, I, I can't even grow my business. I can barely maintain my business with the employees I have because of this unpredictable 20, 30, 40% beast of an overhead that grows every year. And now we can come back in and say, good free market principles would lower this for everyone. And that's more medicine. That's more lab testing. That's more ability to communicate with your doctors. The average person sees their doctor 2.5 times a year. The average direct care patient in our practice has seven contacts with us about their health. But because they can call, text, email, they don't have to leave work. And this helps the poor more than anybody. Wait, wait, hold on a second. You said they can text. Yeah. Can they actually text you, the doctor? Text me, text pictures, text their grandma to text. They have your cell phone number. <laughs> they ha- Well, we have software that gives us a- Obviously not the same as your personal, but. Right. It's a little different, but it all routes to the same one. So they have 24-7 access to us, but I can push that to one of the covering doctors if I'm traveling, etc. But it also routes into their chart. So as they wow. text me, it shows up in their chart for great documentation. Now you don't go to the ER for coughs and colds. You, 80% of what goes to the emergency room is non-emergency care, but it's driving up the total cost of care for the country. So a patient can text me about a rash, about a migraine, about their depression, uh, their anxiety, because they won't always wait till they get to the doctor's office to tell you that. So it's actually significantly better care, more frequent care, which is what the policy wonks talk about. The uh, elusive triple aim, more care more often for less money. And, and they said it's not even doable. You pick two, but you can't have a great care more often because it takes time. You can have more care, but it can't cost less because, hey, you, you're taking more visits. And we're actually fixing all that. Well, that's the mind of a bureaucrat or a politician yes. as opposed to the mind of a businessman like yourself. A businessman says, I want all those things. This is the proverbial Netflix to Blockbuster. Blockbuster had a broken fee-for-service model uh, where, with unpredictable revenue and supply issues versus Netflix says for the same price as a Blockbuster movie, here's 10,000 videos and you can have them on up to three devices, whether your kids are watching on something or you're watching or you're traveling, it's just a better value. So direct care can come back in, whether that's a specialist like an endocrinologist, a cardiologist, a pediatric neurologist that I'm helping launch. We've helped hundreds of doctors across the country move into this model. Five years ago when we started, there was a poll. Only 1% of physicians would be interested in an insurance-free model. Now the American Academy of Family Physicians polls at over 28%. This is huge. And since September through November, I'll be in Louisville, Denver, New York, Dallas, St. Louis, and Cleveland talking about direct care to medical students, doctors, employers, because they're they're ready. They're saying we can't go through another year of these high prices. We want a better way. And it really is. What would you say to people, Josh, that might be listening now and might think, you know, this is great what this guy's doing with his little practice. And, you know, it's great he's able to help people in a small way, but this isn't going to help people when they have something really serious or really huge happen. And that's why we still, even though I'm listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast, this hypothetical person here, (laughs) I still think we need what all these other countries are doing. I need what Bernie Sanders says when he says we need what every other advanced nation in the world has, which is universal health care, so that people don't wind up on the street 
guaranteed or going bankrupt just because they had some catastrophic injury. So what would you say to that idea that, look, Canada's doing it, France is doing it, the United Kingdom's doing it, it's working out just great for them. Why shouldn't we just adopt that model so you don't need to waste your time coming up with this, this little service and everything? Boy, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> I got I time. Talk now, about that for, give, give us the, uh, so, the sort of the elevator speech version, yeah. I guess, of the answer to that. <laughs> First, I would challenge that it's even working in the other countries. Um, you know, really, that's that's sort of the um, really the emperor's new clothes again. Is oh, you know, Canada likes it. No, Canada doesn't. Uh, Canada has worse healthcare outcomes. They quit testing for cancer after seventy-five. Their eye surgeons are only given a, a number of days per month they can operate in. In fact, there's a surgery center in Oklahoma, the surgery center of Oklahoma. Doctor Keith Smith, he's, he's yes, been a guest exactly. on the show as well. Yeah, and he and he got his start doing cash surgeries to, to patients from Canada who couldn't get, couldn't pay for their surgery in Canada because of the way the government runs their care. And so they had to come down and pay cash themselves. And of course, you have to be of a certain income bracket to be able to leave Canada and go pay for your own because taxes have already taken a certain chunk out. England, uh, again, a perfect example of a country, uh, NHS is going bankrupt. They won't even let certain types of breast cancer chemotherapy into the country because they don't want you to be able to pay for that and, and jump lines. But there's a clear two-tier system there between anybody who doesn't have the tax dollars to jump out of the system and everyone who's left to the government bureaucracy to the point that now they're talking about the huge shortage of doctors they have because the government system is running physicians out of the country or at least out of the practice. So I would first challenge the assumption that it's working anywhere else. Uh, second, we surprisingly though, you know, put on my libertarian hat here, we try to keep this fairly politically neutral in the sense that both parties have screwed it up. Um, and so the, if I you know, use generic terms, the left says we want more care for more people. Fair. The right says we want fiscally conservative policy, also essential. So Steve Covey would have us say, like his book, The Third Alternative, that there is another option. And you alluded to it earlier. The businessman says, how do I get everything I want? How do I make it better, quicker, and cheaper? And so direct primary care does that. For a lot of these states who are, are drowning in their, their budget, they can pay for patient care or they can pay for paperwork, but they can't pay for both. So if they were willing to cut some of the red tape, then doctors could operate in the direct care model like myself and make labs 95% cheaper than what the state's paying for it now, just by removing the waste and bureaucracy uh, that, that's bloating the price. Same with medications. Those patients could now have unlimited visits to their own private doctor all of the direct care model. So uh, I would say that if you embrace what Bernie Sanders says of everyone should have health care, okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean the government is the best payer of that system. The government struggles to make schools affordable or the post office functional. So why leave something so important to the hands of the government when they haven't shown a history or a track record that would justify them taking on this role? I would say the market has made more things cheaper and given the poor people in our country some of the highest standard of living compared to other poor people in other countries. So we still have an amazing thing here. But we have patients who are former free clinic patients in our town. The federally funded free clinics have a sliding scale. So based on your income, you, you pay a certain amount. So I have patients who pay $45 copay to the free clinic plus a fee for their procedures that was around $100. And the procedure with me is free. And their monthly membership is $50. So every time she gets the procedure, she's making 50 bucks a, a month. But throw on the savings from all her medication, and she's 
of an otherwise low SES patient who's making or saving $100, $150 every month she uses me. Even that government-run facility that is supposed to be for the poorest of the poor, even one visit there costs almost as much as what it get, a month of Josh Umber's uh, service gets you. Yeah. Yeah, and that's with my full price. And so you could see a scenario where doctors say, I'm going to have a lower price to certain demographics, or I'm going to charge less but see more patients but not offer the home visits or the hour-long visits but just to, to take care of more people. But the government has had every opportunity for the last 50 years to make meds this cheap, to make labs this cheap, and no one has. It's, it's something only the market can really do. So the CBO, I believe, or, or maybe it's the um, Department of uh, Health and Human Services, is projecting that there'll actually be a decline in the number of people buying the Affordable Care Act insurance this year. A dip. It, it peaked out at 11 or 12. It never even hit close to what they're told projected. So I think the market will, will handle this because I think it's stronger than the government. The government just can't tell someone to go buy a product and then let a bad product be bought because of a mandate. When now there are so many better alternatives because of the direct care model and um, insurance-free options that uh, avoid the Affordable Care Act, like uh, self-funded plans, that people just they'll go shop with their dollars and they'll find a better plan that's not the Affordable Care Act and rendering the law essentially useless. Uh, but more people will get care in a free market, just like we have more phones in a free market society than we would if the government was trying to create phones. Steve Jobs can only exist in a free market or, or in a freer market uh, than, than we would otherwise have. So true care, if you ask me, if you, we take a, a lot of um, pride in the fact that we're good businessmen. And that's something that really challenges the philosophy and the moral underpinning of the healthcare profession because we're not taught that. If anything, we're taught the exact opposite, that money is bad, it's beneath us, unbecoming of a physician, and that you can't care about money and care about patients at the same time. Those are incompatible. To which I would say, if you take your oath seriously of do no harm, it has to mean do no financial harm. To absorb and adopt the the moral business ethics, as Ayn Rand would allude to, uh, Ayn Rand, that you would say, the ethical side of this business is providing you a better product at a lower price all the time, that I'm continually improving my services for you and making them more affordable. So that ability to take a patient who's otherwise low SES, maybe a single mom working $10 an hour at a call center job where she has to ask permission to go to the bathroom, let alone leave work to talk, you go see her doctor, can now text message a picture from the babysitter of her kid's rash to the doctor and get a response back in minutes because that doctor is committed to caring for that patient. It's amazing what technology does too because instead of having to run home, get your kid, look at what that rash is, call the doctor, get the appointment, get him in there, you can have the babysitter text it, she texts it to you and within five minutes you said, oh, it's no big deal, don't worry about it, take this one thing and you're fine. And suddenly, and all of that for a far lower cost than you would have paid if you actually had picked up the baby and gone to a regular doctor. So it really is incredible what you and other great entrepreneurs like Dr. Keith Smith uh, are doing in in the field of medicine right now and uh, maybe it really took the the ACA, the Obamacare, to give it this industry, that final push where people are finally waking up and saying, my God, we have got to look for another way to do things because this is just not not working. And so many people always tell me when I'm when talking about this stuff, Mark, don't you want everybody to have health care? And I say, yes, of course I do. And that's why I'm so opposed to these schemes like Obamacare, um, to universal health care, because they all sound wonderful. Affordable Care Act. It all sounds wonderful until you actually understand uh, what it is in practice 
the totalitarianism behind it, the regulations behind it, how that really hampers people from actually getting healthcare. It's it's businessmen, it's entrepreneurs like yourself that actually do deliver healthcare to everybody and that will deliver healthcare to everybody once people continue to come around and start to reject the, the status quo and look for alternatives such as Atlas MD. So Josh, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really do appreciate your perspective on all this. Uh, before I let you go, why don't you just give everybody the full run through of how they can become an Atlas MD uh, member, how they can get their own doctors perhaps to sign up if that's not a service that's available in their area, and uh, how they can contact you or for, for more information. Absolutely. Uh, so we've created two great websites to help doctors and patients connect. One is IamDirectCare.com and another one, IWantDirectCare.com. And both have a map, so you can go in and either register as a patient showing your support or try to find a local doctor who is thinking or doing, uh, thinking about doing direct care or already in the process. But if you have a doctor who's not familiar with it and you would like them to be, go tell them about it. Direct them to our websites. We have a blog, a podcast, uh, a website, all under the link at atlas.md. And we do all of our consulting for free to physicians because we're so passionate that rising tides raise all ships. And every doctor we help is another you know, several hundred patients that we can help. And uh, I think doctors just need to hear the support from their, their patients. But patients don't know there's a better way until they hear it, either directly from us or through shows like this. So once they do and they say, God, I could, that's my medicine. That's my blood test. That's, that's my procedure. I could be getting that for a fraction. Doc, you got to do this for me. I want you to, and if I want you to, my family will come over. I would happily pay you for these services rather than pay the insurance company for the services I'm not getting. So it really is a grassroots movement where patients and doctors are working together to show each other that there's a better way. And there's a ton of doctors out there who love helping each other and helping patients. So you can find me on Twitter or Facebook at AtlasMD and my email, uh, drjosh, or Dr. Josh at atlas.md. And we always do the, whatever we can to help people. Well, Josh, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Keep up the great work. And, you know, best of luck with Atlas MD. I know it's going to be successful, especially after everybody hears about it on the Lions of Liberty podcast. So, so take care, Josh. Thanks again. Wow, guys. What about Dr. Josh Umber? What amazing stuff he is doing with Atlas MD. Really does seem like the logical way to deliver healthcare directly from your patient to your doctor. And yet we have this model now, if you can call it that, where we all have to go through all these bureaucratic hoops to get anything done. Just to see your doctor, you're supposed to go through your HMO, your ACA approved PPO or what have you, just to do something simple. And by the way, you're not going to be covered for that unless you make very, very low income. You're going to have to pay it all out of pocket. Up until you hit that deductible, as, as I talked about with Dr. Josh, it's just a crazy, crazy thing. And this service, Atlas MD, that Josh is offering is the perfect thing that could be paired with a health sharing plan, such as that offered by our great sponsors at Health Excellence Select. If you're a customer of Dr. Josh, if you have something catastrophic actually happen to you, something he couldn't take care of within his package, well, then that's when you can rely on the goodwill of the others in your health sharing group. Cover any catastrophic medical bills that might crop up. 
I mean, if you're a single person right now, you can get a Health Excellence Select Plan for $249 a month, and that includes your personal care assistant, it includes 24-7 access to board-certified doctors, it includes your health sharing plan, so other people can cover your costs if you hit your $500. Yes, it's only $500 deductible, if you want to call it that, that you have to pay out of pocket before you receive 100% reimbursement. That's right, you get 100% reimbursement. You don't have this weird calculation fee where you you pay 20 and and you get 80 if it's covered. No, you just get your costs covered once you hit a certain amount. It's that simple. It's simple just like Atlas MD. These are the kind of innovations that the market can bring us. Now, of course, if you're interested in Health Excellence Select and Health Sharing, you can head over to lionsofliberty.com forward slash health. You can also call our great representative, Mr. Jeff Cantor. You can call him directly at 440-283-6849. Tell him Mark Claire of Lions of Liberty sent you, and he'll get you all set up. But hey, if you're in an area where you have Atlas MD, look it up. And if you're not, you can get your doctor signed up for it or request that doctor sign up for it. This is a very new thing, but it's a new thing that is growing rapidly. I know Josh's own practice in and of itself is growing, but there are other doctors signing up for this model uh, using the same technology. And it's really something that I hope to see grow along with health sharing, along with any other ways that people have been able to find to better deliver health care to consumers, because this really does seem to be this open. Obamacare, this ACA, the straw that is breaking the camel's back when it comes to healthcare in this country. Now, the ACA, Obamacare, is not the cause of any of this. It's not in many ways. It's it's a misguided attempt, or at least many people support it as such, to correct many of the problems that were already being put in place by regulations, by the FDA, by medical patents. By the cartelization of the medical industry. This is stuff I've talked about in the past before. I went on a whole rant about it in my interview with Dr. Keith Smith. I will, of course, link to that in the show notes for the show, which you, again, will find at lionsofliberty.com slash 152. This is the kind of thing I encourage you to share with your friends when you get into those conversations about healthcare. When you have your Bernie Sanders supporters saying, hey, we got to do it just like Canada, just like Europe. These other civilized countries do it. Why don't we? Are we barbarians? Well, we kind of are barbarians in a way. It's because we allow a fascist system to run this country, and in particular, it runs the medical industry, perhaps more so than any other industry in the United States. And a fascist system is one where several corporations or a group of corporations essentially control the industry through government, and that's what happens with regulations. Certain industries get to craft them themselves and make sure that they keep out smaller competition and keep themselves propped up. And when that happens, well, yeah, prices are going to skyrocket. When you have a cartel, they can set just about any price they want. And especially when you have a cartel and the government is saying, you must buy this product. Well, yeah. It should not be a surprise when prices are skyrocketing. But we have great people like Dr. Keith Smith of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma like Dr. Josh Umber of Atlas MD, like my man Jeff Cantor over at Health Excellence Select. These are all great entrepreneurs who are helping deliver healthcare to people in a better way despite the government regulations. And I don't know if these laws are going to change. I don't know if the regulations are going to change. But one thing that we should not do is wait for them to change. 
especially when it comes to our health. This stuff is just too important to sit back and, you know, leave to the politicians. We have to find our own solutions, and there are great people out there doing just that. So I hope this is the kind of show that can really help people that are having problems with their health care, help people that are unable to explain these things in conversation and explain why, yeah, this whole socialist model isn't necessarily a great thing. It's great for some people. It's great for a select few. It's great if you don't get really sick. It's great if you don't get old. It's great if all you ever have are the sniffles and you get to just go to your doctor and, you know, not pay anything. Sure, it feels great. But in times of true tragedy, in times of true trauma, you don't want to deal with bureaucracy. You don't want to be on a waiting list. You don't want your case to be in front of a panel deciding whether or not you get care. You want to be able to get your body fixed because we only have one life on this earth, guys. Maybe you're spiritual. Maybe you think we get more. It's possible. I like the idea, but I sure as heck don't know it's true. So I want to make this one as long and as satisfying as possible. And I hope you guys will too. That's why I advocate for individual liberty. That's why I do this show. Because I truly believe that man can live a fulfilling, amazing life. See our culture, our society expand and become better and more amazing than we could ever imagine. If only humanity allows itself to flourish. And we can do that through freedom. Through living long, you might say. That's right. The motto of the show, live long and live free. It doesn't come from nowhere. It's a motto I truly, truly believe in. If you believe in it too, if you are a fan of the show, maybe you want to come over and talk about it. If you're on Facebook, why don't you search in your little search bar, just type in Lions of Liberty Forum and you can join our private discussion group. It doesn't cost anything to join. I just need to make sure you're a um, regular looking person and not a spam bot of some kind. And I'll let you right in. You can, of course, follow our main Facebook page, facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. Follow us over on the old Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. There are so many ways you can connect with us. You can drop me an email personally, mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com. If you have an idea for a show or just want to berate me a little bit, that's okay, too. I totally understand. Sometimes we get things to get off our chest. Not everybody has this podcast. Not everybody has the last roar where they just get to vent and vent and vent but that's what i do here this podcast is as much therapy as it is liberty promotion guys and speaking of therapy this coming thursday we're probably all going to need a lot of therapy because this thursday we're going to have another one of our libertarians in living rooms Drinking liquor style reaction shows, this time to the GOP debate, the Republican debate, which will be taking place Wednesday. We are going to immediately convene a session of libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor to talk about, well, whatever these guys talk about in the GOP. Who knows what's going to come up? Hopefully there are some issues to discuss. We'll, of course, be live blogging throughout the debate as well. So check that out over at lionsofliberty.com. Until this Thursday... Live long and live free. Head of editing and mastering is John Dauber. Contact Johnny53 at gmail.com. <laughs>